And welcome back to Meeting of the Minds. Today, I'm here with the great Terry Laskevich. Terry, thank you very much for joining us. Gene, my pleasure. Uh, glad to be able to spend some time with you. Absolutely. And I'm glad that we've been able to start forming a relationship over the past few month, months, unfortunately, during this whole COVID uh, yeah. disaster. We pray for it. Oh, put a damper on any new relationships. We're just trying to survive. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. So talk us through your journey, your career as an athlete, coach. Let's take it from the top. Well, it's, it's been a great circuitous route. Um, you know, I grew up uh, in the Ukrainian village in Chicago. I'm an immigrant kid, came here when I was three, and my parents lived in a 10 by maybe 15 square block area in Chicago, the Ukrainian village. And so all my formative years, everything was very ethnic, you know, so my social life, my scouting, my Ukrainian Byzantine Catholic church, uh, and the sports I played were table tennis, tennis and soccer. And then at age 17 and a half, I really learned about volleyball, was playing uh, soccer against a lot of guys from the East Coast, from the Philly area, New Jersey, New York, where a lot of Ukrainians played high-level soccer. Gene and Walt Chizhevich were a couple. Uh, um, uh, they, you know, Later, they worked with the USA national team. Walt was the head coach of the USA national team. And so um, soccer team, but they said, hey, you ought to play volleyball. So um, I got into it and I was a pre-med biology major and went to medical school for a year and then quit after one year of medical school to play on the club team for the Olympic volleyball coach, Kenneth Allen in Chicago. Went and got a master's in physical education, became his assistant coach at a little college outside of Chicago, George Williams. Uh, men's team um, became NAIA champions. And then I went to Ohio State, coached men, got my PhD in physical education with an emphasis in sports psychology and international sport. And then uh, Title IX came about and I said, hey, I better look at maybe coaching women. And so I went to University of Pacific, uh, which was a one-year-old Division three program, no scholarships when I got there changed we changed to d1 went to five final fours we were a juggernaut at that time this is 76 to 84 uh, went to five final fours like i said we um, had the largest attendance in the nation when i left in 1984 3500 people 1200 season ticket holders then i became the assistant ad in charge of marketing for football basketball baseball volleyballs everything they had there and then I became, I, I worked in 84 Olympics as an administrator at the Long Beach venue where volleyball was at in the Los Angeles Olympics. Saw the hoopla, the men won a gold, the women won a silver. Three of my Ohio State guys were on that gold medal men's team. So that was kind of fun to watch and got persuaded by the men's coach, Doug Beal, who was a dear friend of mine. We played on several different clubs together, Kenneth Allen, Columbus Caps. Doug was the uh, men's USA coach in 84 that won the gold medal. He became the general manager of USA Volleyball, convinced me to come move to San Diego, coach the women, did that from 84 to uh, 85 through 96, three Olympics. And then um, took 10 years off, wanted to see my kids grow up because they were 12 and nine and I had missed eight of my son's birthdays. He was 12 and I was traveling a lot. And so I stayed uh, in San Diego, started a com uh, marketing company, Paragon Marketing. Later that became Total Sports Inc. 
and then also had a digital video sports company uh, called Arc, um, which was way ahead of its time. But we had a lot of great clients in volleyball, soccer, the USA soccer team, men and women. We had Anson Dorns at North Carolina, uh, Bob Knight at uh, Texas Tech in basketball, Villanova basketball, several NBA teams, New Jersey Nets uh, with one of them and uh, three, four baseball teams. Uh, so that grew that business. And then when my daughter went off to, my son went to the University of Chicago, and then my daughter was three years younger when she committed to Wisconsin to play soccer. I said, I want to get back into coaching. Went back to Oregon State in 2005. I don't know if that was a wise decision because they had promised the world, but uh, it was a little different when you got there. And then the Pac-12 and Pac-10 at that time with Stanford and SC and UCLA, tough nut to crack. But, you know, we did, you know, um, I had a 10 and a half year run there. We went to the Sweet 16 in 2014, was the Pac-10, Pac-12 coach of the year. So unfortunately, we wound up playing Stanford, who was number one ranked in the regionals that year. But anyway, uh, left there, came back, and we had started Art of Coaching back in 2011. Uh, the Stanford coach, uh, John Dunning, uh, who's a dear friend of mine, he replaced me at Pacific. And John had never coached in college, and he won two national championships the first two years in Pacific. So uh, I left him some good players. But um, um, then uh, Russ Rose, the Penn State coach that's won seven national championships, and John, won, John Dunning won five, two at uh, uh, Pacific and three at Stanford. And Russ has won seven. So the three of us started the art of coaching volleyball back in 2011. And Hey, we're in our 10th year. It's done well. And, you know, we've had a great friendship. Russ was um, in my uh, biomechanics class at George Williams College in 1972 as a baseball catcher with a ponytail. So uh, um, he's done well. He's been at uh, Penn State since 1979, 41 years, seven national championships. Uh, so that's kind of the genesis of it. Uh, it's been a wonderful life, um, and I think with the art of coaching particularly, we've mentored hundreds of coaches, and that's what I love doing is mentoring coaches. So uh, that's a little brief synopsis. That's, that's great, and I'm just hearing so many different expertises there. I'm hearing marketing, obviously coaching, sports psychology, entrepreneurship, and now you have the, this perfect storm so to speak, of, of information and knowledge. And now you bring that to Art of, art of Coaching. Talk about that and how, how all of those different fields of expertise have helped lead you to develop this. Well, you, you know, like, uh, I think any coach, whether it's wrestling like you yourself or people that are not in, let's say, football and men's basketball, you need to fend for yourself as a coach. So you learn a lot of things of marketing and organization and business principles because you're doing everything. You're not only coaching, but you've got to do everything else. You know, football coach in college has a staff of how many, you know, and they all take care, help take care of that. And it certainly changed in women's volleyball because it's become a premier Title IX sport. But, you know, I learned early on that, um, you know, I not necessarily wanted to do fundraising or marketing or business things, but um, I had to, I learned about it and I had some successful runs with it. Uh, and so it really is a perfect storm for art of coaching because we, we, we really have to do all those things. And, 
Now we have a good group of people in place. We we have eight full-time employees and a lot of contributors and uh, it's it's a lot of moving parts. And our president CEO, Mark Tilson's done a great job. Mark, I met Mark was um, in sales with the San Diego Padres when, when we met, uh, oh my gosh, in 1997 or 98. So a lot of years ago. And then he since has been, uh, the head of marketing and sales for the Kansas City Royals, Washington Nationals, and Miami Dolphins, and then worked for uh, JMI Sports, which is like Learfield or IMG. So he's our CEO president, brought him on board 2018. He's been great. Uh, Russ and John are owners, but have kind of a hands-off day-to-day experience. But you know, we have a senior content writer, several uh, who's our editor and writer, and several people that do some of our marketing, some of our back end for our website and uh, a graphics person. So it's been a good kind of jaunt. You know, we've built this thing in volleyball to have uh, 70,000 free members and about 10,000 premium members. Then we started Art of Coaching Softball. Uh, That's gone quite well. And then we also have football and baseball, but we've kind of had a hands off on that in the last two years. And, And now with COVID hitting, oh my gosh, we just really spent a lot of time creating virtual things for volleyball and softball. So anyway, yeah, lots of good stuff. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. What are you guys currently working on right now? And what can we look for yeah. in the future? We're, you know, we, a lot of our business, 40% of our business were live clinics, national clinics, where we averaged in volleyball 285 coaches per clinic. And we could not have, we only had one clinic in January of 2020 in Tampa, one softball, one volleyball clinic. And then we had to cancel six volleyball and two softball clinics this year. So we've worked on virtual clinics, which we would have like a one, one hour, two hour session. Then we've had two full day virtual clinics in volleyball. Um, we've done several panel discussions, uh, on a lot of different subjects. We just started a new subject matter, health and inclusion in sports. And we've had um, just a a good panel discussion about how to deal with COVID, uh, how to deal with uh, um, anxiety. Uh, We're looking at doing some other things that way. Um, And we're also, we've pivoted to create talent ID showcases for kids for volleyball where we're going to come in and have uh, anywhere up to 72 kids a session. And that's going to be videoed live. So people, college coaches can watch it live or they can watch it on demand. And uh, it's for free for college coaches. And um, the kids pay a kind of a modest fee of about 120 or so dollars to take part in that. And then they have a way to work with a technology company, MVP Cast, to create their own videos for college. So we did that. We also started a team app. Uh, we we uh, went into a strategic partnership with Max One from Michigan, where we developed a team app, which is a scheduling app, a communication app, but also a teaching app that you could use it for virtual training. So so that was our pivot during the uh, COVID times, and uh, we've been busy with that. So uh, yeah, lots on our plate and. It's, it's hopeful, you know, we're hopeful that we could have our 2021 clinics, but I'm not sure about that, you know, the live clinics. So we're constantly looking at how to reinvent ourselves, so. Right, right, and, it's, and hopefully 
you know, we get through, we get through all this times move on. And now you have both what you were already doing. And now on top of that, something else sure. that you weren't doing before. That's great. And so much well, value between the team app and the recruiting because kids aren't able to be recruited the same way. So you're providing sure. a service to the coaches and to the athletes. How's that been? That's got to be great feedback. Well, we're just starting those, uh, Gene. We're, we're looking at um, uh, doing four this year. We're doing one in Reno this weekend and one in Seattle in November and then two in December, one in Wichita, Kansas, and one in Milwaukee. And they're really pilot programs to see how best to do those. And if they go well, then we'll do 12 to 16 in 2021. But... Um, uh, we think it has a lot of potential, but you got to be careful with that word because the Laskevich definition of potential is you're shitty now, you know, so <laughs> potential is great. I, I think this has great potential because like you said, it's a service to both the college coaches and for the kids. And now with COVID and um, I think people aren't getting out as much. And I think in the future, especially for the budgets of schools that aren't in the top 70 or 80 in the country at D1, for the mid-majors in D1, and certainly for D2, D3 junior community colleges, it's a way to save money in recruiting. And it's a way for kids to not necessarily just think about, hey, I've got to be going to these big qualifying tournaments and that becomes kind of a dog and pony show because there's 400 coaches recruiting and you know, you're just one number out of thousands of kids. So I, I think we're on to something. I know clubs have done this on their own, but we're adding a little professional twist to it. Uh, Jim Stone, who was the youth national coach who works with us, he won the youth world championship. Jim was a former coach at Ohio State. So he developed a program along with myself and John Dunning. So we have a good three-hour program for the kids, and we'll see how that works out. Yeah, it looks like great, great opportunity. And this is the kind of thing that could really change the game with your connections, with your experience, and the value that it provides. Um, it really looks good. So we'll, well, it looks good. We hopefully that uh, we'll get some traction with it and that uh, we'll even um, attempt to make a little bit of money about that. You know, this year, is we, if we break even, we're fine. But we really want to see how this can become one of our mainstays in the future. Excellent. Excellent. Now, Terry, talk about some of your tips or your advice on mindset success. So you know a little something about mindset success, to be an athlete, to be a coach, to have a business. What are some of the commonalities mm -hmm. in the right mentality, the mental approach? Well, I, I think uh, there's several. Um, one is uh, what Carol Dweck, uh, the Stanford professor, growth mindset. I think every athlete, every coach, every business person needs to say, what am I learning today? How am I getting myself better? And it's easy to um, get in a comfort zone. And I'm sure you as an athlete and as a coach have had players that you're coaching. Once people get comfortable, it's hard to get them out of the comfort zone. But to truly grow and to be a good athlete player, to be a good coach, to be a good business person, you got to get out of your comfort zone. So learn every day. That's number one. Um, number two, I, I think you've got to understand that uh, everything of value has to have a lot of work put into it. I, one of my favorite quotes is Mark Cuban saying, when they asked him, if you have one thing you've learned in all your years in business, what is it? He said, there are no shortcuts. 
And I think that that is very true. It's like people have used the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours. Well, it is 10,000 hours, but it's quality hours. You can't just go, hey, I'm going to go wrestle with someone 10,000 hours and I'm going to be good. Well, you, you have to have the right technique. You have to have a mentor coach. You have to have the right mental visualization of what I want to get done. Then it becomes worthy of getting better. And then work ethic, you know, I tell people, you've got to know the difference between working hard, but working smart and hard and not just saying, well, I, I spent 19 hours at work today. Well, did you get anything done? And, you know, my father, uh, I learned something from my dad a long time ago. And he used to say to me when I was growing up, he said, Taras, this is a great country, using my formal Ukrainian name, Taras. Uh, he says, you know, if you work hard, anything is possible. But understand, you may work hard and you may not get what you want, but you will never get what you want if you don't work hard. And, and that always sat with me. And so I think that is really important, um, you know, along with growth mindset, along with there are no shortcuts, just putting the, the, the work into it. And, and the other part is, what I tell people in business and marketing in sport, hey, um, you're going to fail and you're going to have to learn from your mistakes. And sometimes you're going to learn a lot more from failing than you'll learn from winning and or being successful at something. Because again, you get in your comfort zone. Hey, you got to get jarred out of your comfort zone. And so um, I think that that is something that I love hiring athletes, not because they know how to win, but hey, they know work ethic, they know how to manage time, and they also know how to pick themselves up when they fail. Um, the, the, those are some little tidbits. And I, I, I think for people that are aspiring to be coaches out there, I always say, find a mentor. Same thing in business. Who's your business mentor? As an example for me, I was very fortunate when I came to the University of Pacific in Stockton, California. I, I met three top business people there and they took me under their wing. Uh, Mark Cruz that started Wendy's in Northern California owned 14 of them. He was one of our big sponsors. Bob Klinger that owned Cascade Steel was one of our big benefactors of the program. He was a basketball player in, in college and then he played on a Stockton YMCA team won the national championship for USA Open Volleyball in the 50s. And, and Bob was on that team. Another was Bud Klein, who was the largest soybean dealer maybe in the world. And, and Bud was a halfback at Stanford. And, and they were great because they really took me through, hey, here's a line of credit in the bank. Here's how you do that. Hey, here's how you really want to do a business plan. Here's why a successful business person. So it was a, it was an MBA and, and a, as a young person going there and, uh, and you know, I was 20, um, 28 years old when I got to Pacific and I stayed there for nine years. I really learned a lot from those guys and, and, and it was, they were my mentors in business. And I've always had mentors in coaching. Um, uh, you know, I had uh, Jim Coleman, who was the Olympic coach. I was fortunate to meet a lot of, hey, I met Bill Walsh when he came to be the Stanford head coach in 1977. So one year into my Pacific experience, 
the guy that started the sports psych program with me at Pacific, Glenn Alba, who was the principal advisor of Pete Carroll, because Pete was a defensive backs uh, assistant that was working on his master's degree. Glenn went to high school and college with, with Bill Walsh. So he introduced me to Bill and Bill had a great effect on me. You know, Bill, uh, I mean, I, I'm sitting here in my office. I'll even show you. Uh, um, this is one of the Bibles in, 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 um, in, in football, the winning, uh, finding the winning edge by Bill Walsh. And in it, he's inscribing it for Terry, a great coach, Bill Walsh. I mean, that's a keepsake that one can have forever. And in here is when I, when I started one of my marketing companies, Total Sports Inc. Uh, we launched it in 2002. Bill was the keynote. This is a little dinner for 72 people with Bill Walsh. So that's how we started Total Sports. So those are people that were really important to learn from people that um, um, you're going to pick things up. And I, I always tell people, if you're a wrestling coach, you can learn from any sport. If you're a volleyball coach, you could learn from any sport. And that's what I think finding mentors that are important to you. Uh, you know, my first boss, my first AD, Brad Rothermel at George Williams College, he was the chairman of physical education and the athletic director. I quit med school. I went to see him. He spent an hour trying to dissuade me to quit med school. And so I've kept in touch with Brad since 1971. Every three months I call Brad. He's retired in Las Vegas. And, but those are people that I think are going to be, um, you know, they know you. Uh, they've helped you along the way. My PhD advisor at, at Ohio State, Daryl Seedentop, uh, unbelievable mentor. And so I think that's so important for young people to have that mentorship of people that are going to take you under your wing. And, and, and I've always remembered that, and I always want to pass it forward. And that's why I want to mentor people. And a lot of people will ask me, geez, you've spent a lot of time, you know, and, and I say, well, as long as you pass it forward, pay it forward, make sure you do that for some young person down the road. So. That's great. That is kind of the code. I see that a lot of times with, with entrepreneurs or owners, they, they pass it on. They do a very good job of paying it forward. So that's great. I hope I could give back to people, you know, one day as you've, as you've done. And like, yeah. And you know, there's a, uh, the, the, I just want to mention a um, really good book for people to read. It's called A Trillion Dollar Coach. It's about Bill Campbell, who was a football coach in Columbia, not very successful as a football coach, but he went and moved to Northern California in Silicon Valley, and he became a mentor to Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, uh, uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page from uh, um, Google. And um, they talked about how he inspired them. And a lot of people in business, the, the, the great thing about sports is you have to learn a lot about getting along with people and getting along with your teammates. How do you deal with your coaches? How do you, like we said before, manage your time? How do you organize being a student athlete in high school or college? Those are all great qualities to have, but a lot of people in business and particularly even in the technical world, you know, they're really single focused engineers. So they're 
always the smartest person in the room, they think, and they are very non-team oriented. And I think people from sport can help those people because we all have had to learn, hey, you're only as good as your team. You know, I watched a great game last night if people watched the Monday night, uh, uh, the Sunday night football game, the Seattle game against um, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. And you really, leadership, you could, you could just, when you hear a Russell Wilson talk or a Tom Brady talk or a LeBron James talk or a, um, any leader is going to really talk about not themselves, but the team. Hey, uh, the team, it's a team effort. It's, a, it's something that even in an individual sport like swimming, wrestling, golf, tennis, people will talk about hey, how important it is to be on a team. Uh, tennis started this thing last couple of years ago with the Labor Cup, which uh, puts Team Europe against the world. And boy, these tennis players, they, because they're, they're, they're kind of single-minded athletes, they love being part of that team. And I think that that is what endures um, a lot, so. That's, that's great. That's great. Now you as a mentor yourself, what are some of the, the mental hurdles that you see people need to overcome or perspective adjustments that they need to make to be successful in their career and whether it's career, whether it's sports? Well, I think learning that you need to be adaptable. Like we talked about COVID. Hey, so how do you turn a lemon into lemonade? You know, how do you look at the glass half filled instead of half empty? So you've got to be adaptable and you've got to make sure that uh, most entrepreneurs never are successful on their first try. You know, you've got to just have that stick to itness to keep going after it. So adaptability, I think is critical. The other is patience. You know, we said nothing happens quickly. And so when, like if you're developing a program in high school or middle school or club or college, it's not going to happen in one year. So it's got to be a three to five year commitment, growing a company like you and your brother are doing. Hey, it's not something that all of a sudden, boom, it just happens. And, and obviously there's some companies that hit it big right away, but those are, you know, one in a million, you know, there's a lot that has to go into it. And, and the, the final thing I'd say is that, um, people make the world go wrong. So you've got to have the ability to identify good people that are your coworkers or your players, or how do you identify good people, good talent, and then how do you work with that talent? Because there's gonna be um, different mindsets. Um, how do you listen to someone? John Dunning says this, uh, that in his uh, experience as a coach, what he started learning a lot as he got older is, hey, I've got to listen more. And same thing in business and anything else. Are you listening to what the people are saying? I mean, take our politics now. We've become so tribal. Nobody listens to what the other person is saying. <laughs> and so, you know, what's the commonality? There's, you know, this is the way I'd say to Congress, hey, okay, you have a bill. Let's come in and say, okay, what do we agree on? Okay, put that off on the table. What other things can we adjust to agree on? But it becomes so... Um, you know, if everybody thinks I'm the smartest person in the room or my opinion is the only opinion that matters, hey, there's a lot of, there's a lot of smart people in the world. There's a lot of people that uh, 
have an opinion and, 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 and I think that that's something you have to understand in, in business or in sport all the time. Absolutely. Being humble, being coachable, being team oriented. And like you said, just no knowing that uh, I could always learn having an attitude of being a hungry learner. And there's, and there's a long way to go always for all of us. Like my dad always says, the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. No, I like that. That's a good quote. I'll have to remember that. The biggest room in the room, the room in the world is room for improvement. I like I that. My, I asked that at my coaches' conventions. They love it. And people are kind of stumped. What is the biggest room in the world? I'm like, ah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. See, you learn something every day. And, and I think learners will never be left behind. And, uh, you know, when I was a young coach, I thought I knew a lot. And the older I got, I knew how much I didn't know. And that's... Uh, what I think everybody out there has to just realize. So, Great stuff, Terry. Excellent. So many great points that I hope our listeners, when they watch this, that they sit there with a notepad, they take some notes because like a lot of gold nuggets of information you said there. Where can we send people to get more information about you and what you do? Well, if you go to the art of coaching, uh, the art of coaching volleyball.com, or hey, if any of your listeners want to reach out to me directly, I'll answer them anytime. Just go to Liskevich, T L I S K E V Y C H T, as in Terry, at the art of coaching.com. I'll answer any question anybody has. So, Excellent. Thank you very much, Terry, for all the. You're welcome. Thanks Thanks for having me. Pleasure to talk to you guys. We look forward to do something with the winning mindset. Uh, You guys have done a great job and we'll, we'll make sure we do that as soon as COVID is over. Excellent. Thank you, Terry. All righty. Give my best to Jeff. Will do. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And that is a wrap from today's podcast. I'm Gene Zanetti from Winning Mindset. Make sure you guys go to our website. Make sure you go to zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you buy the book. The ebook is great, excellent information, represents some of the great information that we've learned from top athletes working with some of the top teams and individuals all across the country. Go to our website, zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you get the ebook. Also, make sure as an individual you sign up for the one on one free trial consultation. That's the one on one free trial consultation with one of our mindset coaches. The best results always come from one on one attention whether it's strength training, whether it's technique, or whether it's mindset. One-on-one is always the best. Thanks for staying with, with us. Make sure you join us next time for the next episode. Mindset makes the difference. Have a great day.